When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down with their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow but you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500 AAA heating and air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new hvac unit but you have to call today 803-677-1500 and tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 the game's gamecock central podcast the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like a 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. Two minutes after 11 o'clock. Welcome in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson Fowler, Preston Thorne here with you and happy to be joined as we are every day now, pretty much every day, by Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark of Gamecock Central. Um, Colin Taylor tweeted out the the best sports website in Columbia. I mean, I'm not surprised. Is Apparently. That, that's awesome. I didn't know if Colin, if that was like an old thing. Colin just found it for the sake of tweeting it out or if that was new. Is that news? Yeah, that uh, you uh, you actually are talking right now on the best sports radio station Am I in really? Columbia. Oh, yes, good. you don't follow the Free Times Best of Columbia twenty twenty two. I do. I, I vote on it every single year. I just didn't know that it came out yeah, today. So congrats to you as well. Thank you. I didn't know that. Are there yeah. other, are there other sports radio stations here? Wow, is that a? You've eliminated the competition. <laughs> Yeah, did did you so. vote for us, Pearson? So, huh? Since you're yeah. a voter, you Absolutely. did? Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. He's yeah, lying. I vote for you guys. I vote for us. I vote for myself. Not that I've ever been nominated, but I, <laughs> I have nominated myself before because no one else is going to. Um, usually vote for my dad's property management company. Yeah. I like to see what restaurants are on there, too. Like, oh. I, I really like to dive into the what's the best burger, what's the best fries, what's the best... Mexican food, what's the best Italian food? Like, yeah. I, I kind of get into it. Don't always agree with all the answers on there, but it, it is pretty cool just to see what the people of Columbia think every year. Essential reading. Yeah. 
It is. It is. More than anything, I like to get mad about it when I disagree with it. It's my favorite thing. People on the internet love to get mad, myself included. <laughs> do, you then, do you then write it? What's that back page they have, the rants or Rant whatever? Rave. Rant and Rave. Do you write in about that, the... But I okay. used to love... I would always pick up a Free Times and read the Rant and Rave. That's Those are funny. Favorites. That's really, really good. Um, so congratulations to you guys. Y'all obviously do great work. That's part of the reason we're so happy to have you here. Um, I think Preston got best administrator, right? Administrator of... Administrator of the country. Administrator of Peace and Love. Yes. There you go. Yes. Well, I was thinking at uh, your position at the school of oh, education. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or that. Yeah, yeah. And that. that. Works uh, I just got a really good demo, by the way, of the, you, you, it's called the Chop and What? Or no, the sorry, the the uh, club and. Yeah, we was doing a club rip, a little stab. Club rip. Yeah. yeah. You know, we do a little, start with a little stab, a little long arm. Yeah. Into a stab. Getting those hips around for Pearson. We're working on Pearson becoming the fierce pass rushing machine that he's yeah. always dreamt of being. Well, it's all physics. It was, it was, it's all leverage. It is. It's all, it's, it really is all leverage. And I guess we were talking in here previously before the fellas came in about what we saw Zach's optimal position as a pass rusher being. And, I, you know, I said he just needs to move people where they don't want to be put first. But then after that, if he's working on a move, this is what I kind of thought his – his next move would be. Mm-hmm. Wes, I I was talking to Chris in the bullpen earlier. I just, outside of Marshawn Lloyd, there, there's no one that I'm more excited for this season than Zach Pickens. Part of it is just knowing what he's able to do physically. But I've also just really, really enjoyed anytime he has media availability. Mm-hmm. I just like listening to him talk. Yeah. He seems like more comfortable. You know, he's able to laugh at the podium. He gives good, insightful answers. Like, he's just, I'm, I'm pulling for him as much as I'm pulling for anybody, maybe except for Marshawn. Yeah, you know, I think uh, one of my favorite things about watching guys, especially maybe seeing them in the recruiting process, interviewing them as like a junior in high school, and you can kind of, you know, you see this big kid, so talented, but he's experiencing a lot of things for the first time, having the limelight on him for the first time, spotlight for the first time, and just watching them kind of grow, not just on the field, but off the field, uh, grow confidence in, you know, speaking in front of, the public speaking to the media and all these things that you can just see Zach um, has kind of gone from being, you know, he's the five-star kid to, to being a leader of this team, like a spokesman for this team. Uh, even that shot from uh, the welcome home, I think the first episode when he was, uh, he was like, Josh van, get in here, man, get in here. Like, give, give me a hug, man. It's like Zach has become kind of, uh, he's one of the old heads of the team now. And you, you get to see guys transition from, being, well, I'm just trying to find a way onto the field to I'm going to try to pour into this young guy or I'm going to try to be a, a little bit more to the fabric of the team than just another guy. And I, I think that's always fun. And, and Zach has really accepted that role and his personality has come out a little bit. You know, he was always one of those guys in recruiting. If you interviewed him, he he didn't say a lot at all. But then after he committed, I got to be around him a little bit at the Shrine Bowl and he was in a little bit more comfort zone around some of the guys, around some coaches, you're like, man, this kid's got a really good personality, a very funny, uh, you know, kind of a unique personality. So I, it's been really fun to, like, watch that come out as well, I think. Yeah, I was uh, – Hannah Barton, who's one of our interns at Gamecock Central, interviewed Luke Day, the strength coach, this summer, kind of like towards the tail end of summer workouts. And he mentioned a few guys by name, and that was it. And – one of them was Zach Pickens. Javon Gwynn was another one. Um, I think he mentioned Josh Van too, but he mentioned Zach Pickens. And, you know, I'll, I'll concur with Wes, like a little more quiet in high school, 
Really thought he'd be a really good player at South Carolina, and we've seen him develop into that. But I, I didn't know at that time if he was going to be like as much of a vocal leader as you've seen him become. Mm-hmm. And so he's really not only developed quite well, but as Wes said, he's developed into a guy that's now lifting up you know, his teammates and leading by example. And that was something that Luke Day talked a lot about. And he was talking about Josh Van specifically, but kind of applying it to everybody. He's like, I know Josh Van is a good player, but can he do something that makes somebody else on the team a mm-hmm. good player too? And yeah. with guys like Javon and guys like Zach, um, it seems like they really think that he's started to do that. Yeah, well, and that's essential. And I want to come back to some of the other guys on that defensive line, especially on the interior in a minute. But one other piece uh, we just played a couple of minutes from Zach's media availability yesterday, and the last answer that we heard was uh, actually the great Colin Taylor asking about the uh, the mentality, you know, the switch. And Wes, Preston and I had had put you to this. Find out who are the mean guys on the offensive and defensive line. You need a mean streak. When you asked Eric Douglas, it sounded like it was Javon Gwynn, Zach Pickens, some of the same guys that were mentioned. And I was like, I just don't see it with Zach. He seems like a little bit quiet and reserved, but if anything, he just seems like really nice and jovial. And you kind of want someone on that, on that line. That's an SOB and that's going to like break somebody's head. But it sounds like that is Zach and that he really just has a, a better understanding of kind of how to, how to turn it on in the game and maybe more importantly, how to turn it off outside of the game context. Yeah. I mean, you, you see that sometimes guys that just, when they go between the lines, they flip the switch. And then when they come off, um, you know, they're, they're a different person. I, I mean, I think that is a certain I, – I mean, I don't even know how you would describe that. Maybe it's a certain, like, emotional intelligence, too, to be able to flip it on when I'm in this context and then uh, flip it off when, when I'm not. But I, I think um, Javon and Zach both kind of uh, have that ability, and, and you want to be able to take uh, – you know, maybe take certain things and, and channel them on the field – but then be able to to flip that off, uh, the, you know, the other way off the field. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, me personally, I miss I miss that. Mm. Like, I don't have an outlet to channel those parts of myself mm. <laughs> into. And so, when you know, you think about, you know, do you miss football? I don't really miss football, but I do miss having a place to go fight every day, or <laughs> run, or maybe say some words that are not acceptable to the general <laughs> public, or. I do. You do kind of miss those places, and I think, for from what I seem to think about Zach, is that he's generally a mild mannered person. But all of us have kind of like a shadow part of ourselves that we mm-hmm. get to exercise on sports fields or workouts or wherever the case is. And so I can definitely relate to having that that aspect or that part of your personality that you get the chance to turn on and turn off as a as part of the appeal of football. You play with a lot of intense guys. Mm-hmm. Brian Brewer, a good example, but he's intense off the field too. Yes. Did you play with any <laughs> Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Mr. Hyde type guys? So, yeah, I think, the, so two examples. Ryan is an example of, he's Ryan on and off the field. The intensity meter is always on 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travell Warren is the other opposite end spectrum. Nice guy on the field, off the field. Like, on the field, he's just going to block you. He's not going to – he's just going to block you. You're not going to do your job. But he's not going to tell you anything wrong about it. He's probably going to shake your head. It's just like, hey, man, how's it going? How's the family? I'm trying to think of somebody who had, like, a, a an intense on-off switch. Um, 
Because you said Langston wasn't like a like a monster. Langston's pretty vicious competitor. Really? Langston might be somebody a great example. I think. But he the, wasn't a big trash talker. You said right? Yeah, but he was like a seether. You know, like oh, okay. you know, like kind of like the the pit bull that just yeah. rrr, that type of that kind of <laughs> dude. Langston might be a great example of somebody okay. who had probably as big of an on off switch as you would for the person that you listen to on the radio. He's probably not that person on the field for sure. Yeah. I That's probably like, a great comp, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, all the you know time spent talking to him on the radio, I feel like most most of his sentences are peppered with laughter. And I just feel like that doesn't translate to Is like, it maniacal laughter, though? Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's the underlying, like, seething part of it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Zach, Zach definitely, uh, j- just the way that he's grown into his role seems to, I-, I think, be auspicious looking to a defensive line that actually, as we transition into the rest of the group as a whole, uh, and Chris, I'll get your thoughts on this first. Carolina lost Aaron Sterling, who'd been in the program since 2004. Lost J.J. Nagbari, who was... You know, he's he's in the NFL right now. He was, what was he, third round, fourth round, something like that? Fourth. Fourth round. NFLer. Accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl. Right. Races, as you heard on the intro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he... Uh, we'll they, never forget they that. They lost really good players. And it was a group that I think underachieved last year. And yet I'm talking myself into how can this group be better. It doesn't make sense. They just lost two entrenched, talented starters. Yeah. What? But they have to be better. So how do I reconcile those ideas? Have to be as in they need to be? Yes. Or you think yes. they have to be because of what's coming back? Okay. Yeah, they do need to be. Mm-hmm. We know that. Um, I think there's – you could argue it either way. And so there are some things that I'm very convicted of about this team. I think they're going to be better at quarterback. I think they're going to be better at rece- – like there are different things there. There are still – there's been a lot of good and a lot of positive talk, which is fine because I think a lot of it's fair and warranted. But um, I think there are some concerns on the line. A reason that they're going to be better is I think they've got some experience and they've got some depth at defensive tackle, right? When you look at Zach as a senior type of player, he has been and can be if he takes another step. And then all the guys, you know, beside slash behind him with, you know, even MJ Webb, who had a, you know, better than expected year last year, coming back for a six-year and Boogie and Tonka Taka Hemingway, they've got some guys there. They've even got some young guys, T.J. Sanders, Nick Barrett. But the guys that they lost, those two guys that you mentioned, they were good players. I mean, really good players. Even though Sterling, he didn't have the NFL measurables, he was very solid, um, very savvy player. He could give you some pass rush. He was better than anticipated, I think, based on the size against the run. So now you're banking on Jordan Strong and Birch taking a step forward. you got to bank on that. And then you got to bank on some guys behind them. They're not going to be able to play 60 snaps a game or 70 if you get there. So now you have to have Gilbert Edmond and Terrell Dawkins. Those types of guys got to step up for you. And I think it's a, it's a question mark Mm -hmm. at the bare minimum. Yeah. All right. Well, let's circle back to that. We'll, we'll start to dig into the depth chart. I I think we have a pretty good idea of what the ones look like and, and maybe even the twos on the inside, but we haven't talked a whole lot about the edge guys. We'll focus on them. Birch, Strawn, behind them, Chris, as you mentioned, maybe a little bit of a question mark. So we'll dig into what the depth chart looks like at the edge position for Carolina next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 
11.20 on a Wednesday morning. Welcome back in to the Gamecock Central Takeover. Hour here on 107.5 A Game. Pearson Fowler, Preston Thorne, Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell. I guess all sitting here as award winners today. Is that right? I guess so, yeah. It's pretty exciting. Gamecock Central, the best sports website <laughs> in Columbia. How many times have y'all won that? Do you even keep track? Do you even hang them up anymore? Or are the awards just piling up in the closet? No, I don't, I don't think they ever sent us anything last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we did win it last year. I don't know about before that. When was Gamecock Central launched? 98. 98. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before so the I, internet. Yeah. <laughs> well, my wife like was it. asking if y'all were like founding members of Central, and I I told her I didn't think so. I knew that, well, Chris, you've been there a little bit <laughs> longer than Wes, right? Yes. Yeah, but I've only been there since 2009, which is a long time, but not. Man. What did Shu do before you guys? So Shu was, <clears throat> he's really good with numbers. He was actually an accountant. Oh, and, um. I won't turn the show into a Gamecock Central history lesson, but since you asked, you know, it was really fascinating how it started and kind of what it's become. It it started out, I was going to say, Press, uh, Pearson, do you remember this? But, I, heck, I don't even know if you were born. 98? <laughs> no, no. I mean, how old were you in 98? Five. Like 97? Okay. Yes, yeah, so you hopefully were not on social media at that time. <laughs> um, ICQ, Preston, do you remember ICQ? It's I do not. kind of, you remember it, Wes, a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of like AOL Instant Messenger. It's a little messenger bit like Instant thing. Messenger, like I, AIM. It was weird. It used like numbers and stuff. But it started off as like a group of Gamecock fans who would go eat lunch together and they would talk on ICQ and eventually it migrated to the a interwebs. forum type a thing, A forum right? type of thing. And then it just continued growing, growing, growing. And now it's a, a media company. So it's pretty crazy. That's exciting. An award-winning media company. And I'm glad it's here. Yeah. Good job, guys. We have jobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things y'all do, uh, y'all have y'all have done y'all have run your own kind of position group breakdown. So we're we're doubling up on things a little bit. That's okay. Slightly different audiences potentially. I don't know, I know a lot of Gamecock Central users listening here as well. But in any case, uh, one of the position groups that we haven't spent a ton of time talking about at all this preseason has been the edge players, the defensive ends, however you want to call it specifically. Real quick, lots of rotation on the defensive line anyway. I, if I had to guess right now, it sounds like Zach Pickens, Boogie Huntley, one and two. And then behind that, some combination of, was it, is it fair to say maybe behind that, just like Tonka and MJ, and then you have your Nick Barrett and TJ Sanders? Does that sound right for like a three deep? That that feels right to me. Uh, that's the exact way I would have described it Okay. Uh, be- even before you did. Um, you know, they, they haven't really said, hey, Boogie's going to be the guy, but it just, in our small sample size being out there, it seems like he's always with that first group. And yeah. I, I think that, if you had made me guess a few months ago, I maybe would have said they go with the older guy, MJ Webb. Um, so I, I think that probably means Boogie has taken a, a pretty big step, uh, you know, in this past offseason, which I think is a, a good sign for him, obviously. We got to hear from him yesterday. Zach mentioned enjoying working alongside Boogie yesterday and his media availability. And then, you know, this was the, uh, this was the smoking gun for me. When Shane Beamer was asked yesterday about the position battles that he was watching, he mentioned wide receiver, he mentioned place kicker, he mentioned backup safety, he even mentioned third string quarterback. He didn't say anything about defensive line, and I was like, that if they have it settled, it sounds like it's it's going to be boogie, which, like you mentioned, is, is is good for boogie, probably good for the team, as Preston pointed out earlier as well. Um, so it seems like that is largely settled. Defensive end, you got your starters. Strong, uh, is probably your end, right? and then Birch, your edge, where they make that distinction. Beyond that, Chris mentioned Terrell Dawkins, who comes in as a transfer, I think is expected to contribute, but I don't really have a good guess beyond that. Yeah, and I 
you know, I think they've kind of even gone away from the, you know, it was a little more one guy's a buck, one guy's an end. Um, I think it's a little bit more interchangeable now with how they're doing things. But, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to miss Enigbari. You know, he didn't have the huge year necessarily statistically. But, um, you know, you, you even go back, I was looking yesterday at their pro football focus stuff, the grades from last year. Um, Enigbari was one of the top two, if not the top, like highest graded guys on the defense last year. That's Preston's year. favorite publication slash website, <laughs> Pro Football Focus. Is it not, or it really is it? <laughs> it's not. We're it's not. We're, we're very much against the PFF. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think, you know, I look at that group and it's kind of twofold for me. Like, I, I don't know, is there going to be that splashy guy that just goes out and makes all the plays off the edge and, and kind of um, is the, the player that other teams are talking about? Like, oh, that's the guy you have to watch out for for them. That's the guy you have to, you know, keep out of your backfield. At the same time, it's like I I can buy that this group as a whole, especially against the run when you start talking about better play on the edges, better play at linebacker and sort of the totality of the front. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's the big step for me that they're going to have to take is can you just overall be a better team defense against the run? I think they'll be okay as far as rushing the passer. I think they'll be solid. Um, my, my question is can they be – a little bit better than that or not. Um, everybody talks about Jordan Birch. I still, watching last year, Jordan Strong is the guy that just sort of pops off to me. Looks like an NFL-type pass rusher. We know what he did at Georgia State. Has he settled in enough at a new place and a new scheme and a new conference to like to kind of be that guy this year? I, I think it would be very interesting to watch him as far as his progress. So I guess the question that I'm kind of turning around in my mind is will either one of them be as good as jj was last year i think it's a good question and i I think i think they're a little bit different players too like skill set wise i i could see jordan strong being a better pure pass rusher than than uh than enigbare you know overall can can the I, i think the question also is can the two of them as a duo be better than the duo of enigbare and sterling sterling was kind of like I feel like we we didn't talk about him a ton, but the coaches always seem to be very happy with with what he did up front. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's maybe that's how good he actually was. Is that nobody mentioned him not being there? He was sort mm-hmm. of just a very consistent presence that wasn't going to be a splash guy or make a bunch of plays, but he was going to be in the spot where he was supposed to be, knows assignments, etc. And you need people on the defenses to be able to do that. However. Jordan Birch, as a five-star guy, does not need to be that type of dude in order for the defense to work. Does that make sense? Totally. Needs to be a difference maker. Yeah. yeah. He's to have a pick six every game. <laughs> Watching him run on that pick six was a wow. Like a wow moment for me last year. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the guy we have not mentioned at all that I think um, – will play a role this year because when Birch was not working with the ones when they've been kind of slowly easing him in, the person who was out there was number 10, Tariq Johnson, who, um, you know, is out of Sumter, has been injured throughout his career, is back healthy, stuck around. He's going to play a rotational role at that position as well. So I, I think you kind of have, you know, Strong and Birch are, are going to be your starters, I think. But you have, who who's kind of next in line? Is it Tariq Johnson, Gilbert Edmond? 
Is it um, Terrell Dawkins? Those are the kind of three guys that I think are all in that mix next mm-hmm. as far as uh, providing depth. But I think there's a little more question. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. As far as drop-off at the edge compared to where a defensive tackle, like I think, I think like to a man, like if Jimmy Lindsay was sitting around with his friends and they're like, hey, tell me what you really think, not even coach speak, I think you'd be like, man, we feel really good about those next two guys going in a defensive tackle. And I think if it got really down the line and T.J. Sanders or Nick Barrett had to play, you know, they're younger. You'd maybe adjust a couple little things. But I think they'd feel okay with that as well. Um, I think there's just still a little bit more question as far as the depth at at defensive end slash edge slash buck slash whatever we call these guys now. So So maybe here's the difference, just speculative. Carolina is not as good at edge as they were last year, but they're better at defensive tackle, and you have more run support from a linebacking core that is hopefully healthy with Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson back, Mo Caba ready to take a, a step. That might be the blueprint for the defensive line being better, even if there's just sort of a net zero change in the talent, um, excuse me, f- across that defensive front. Is that, does that pass the smell test, or am I overthinking it? I, I think so. I, I won't. Preston's thoughts on that, though. Um, what? How? How? Th- give me the deep dive answer on this, right. if you can. How? How much different is the skill set for a defensive front to be good at rushing the passer versus good at stopping the run? Because that's the. I mean, we've talked about the inability to stop the run last year, but it probably, especially when people start talking about eight, nine, ten wins, you know, when you kind of get off into, like, fantasy land and stuff. <laughs> Stopping the run is, like, that's the big old thing. Forget everybody talks about the offensive line. Stopping the run is the key to the big next step for this program, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and your ability to your ability to stop the run makes your ability to rush the pass even better because you get in third-down situations where you can automatically, you know, pin your ear back to – and, and get in a pass rush stance and get your whole fastball, curveball, get it, all of that, it all plays in concert with each other. So it does make a big, it does make a big difference of stopping the run because you get more shots at obvious passing downs. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe if you're not even that good of a pass rusher, but when it's third and 15, you become a whole lot better because A, you have more time, B, you have more. Uh, ability to uh, predict your pass rush move and all of that stuff. So, yeah, it, do, it does. To, to answer the question shortly, stopping the run is the answer. Uh, with that being said, you're right, Pearson. To me, it feels like even last year when I was watching the games, when they brought the second unit in, which mm-hmm. was Jordan Birch and Jordan Strong, I felt good about that unit. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this, this unit can still get some stuff done. I'm wondering how that's going to feel this year when we bring the second unit. Yeah. We won't know till we see a little bit more. Or will it – because sometimes as a fan, as you're watching the game, you're like, don't bring those dudes in. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't feel like that last year. And I wonder if that's going to be the feeling this year. We, don't, we won't know that yet. Yeah. 
but it, that's what I'm curious to see. Well, I, I cop a lot from Simmons, and this is probably not a unique concept to him, but a lot of times he's talking the way that he frames things. What do you, as the opponent, uh, the the opponent or the opposing fan, want the other team to do? You know, if if you want the other team to punt, that means you should go for it. You know, if you want them to roll in the second guys, or maybe you're more worried about the second guys. Hey, you know, keep those starters in. We're more worried about these guys. You know, run this set because we're more worried about the other thing. You just you, you got you got to occupy the headspace of whoever you're playing against and think about what they want least to happen. Um, and that'll be interesting to see what that ends up being, what permutation, I guess, of that defensive line ends up being for Carolina. Wes has got a thought. Hold that. We do have to hit a break. I have a few more thoughts about Birch, too, as we continue to unpack the depth chart on the defensive line. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen, with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell, on the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. 11.37, Wednesday morning. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game, of course, made possible by the wonderful people over at Firehouse Subs. If you need a delicious sandwich, wherever you're listening to this, anywhere you're listening to a actual real radio there's a firehouse subs close to you even if you're listening streaming somewhere there's probably a firehouse subs very close to you rapid rescue there's going to be a drive-through at the new location and is it in casey or west columbia it's in casey right over there across from brooklyn casey high school yeah, not cool. open yet did get an update on it very excited y- y'all want to go Soon? over there when it opens yeah can we yeah, yeah absolutely we can i'd I love think to we should go from there where we are going to much yeah chowing down on an italian um, Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be open sometime next month. So Very good. So hopefully we'll be over there. And I, uh, Wes ordered a sandwich on the show. For those of you that didn't that hear that, awesome. Wes literally ordered a sandwich in the middle of the show. How was that sandwich, by the way? It was amazing, as expected. You got meatball, right? Just like straight up? Yes. Yeah. I did not. I forgot to do my special, which is add pepperoni. Yeah, but. that's all right. Next time. Plenty more chances <laughs> to go to Firehouse Subs. Um, we've been talking about the defensive line, and in particular, the defensive imposition, which hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention, Preston made the observation that last year, watching Enigbari and Sterling make their way to the sideline and Birch and Strawn come back in, didn't feel like a, a huge drop-off. So maybe there is the the path to optimism if you're if you're assuming that at least this first unit can hold serve this year. Yeah, you know, I think you looked out there last year and you were like, all right, these guys that just came in look like they're future NFL players. Like, just the eye test, like, physically – like, man, these guys are long, lean, athletic. You had the big Jordan Birch pick six to, you know, to start the year where you said, you know, this guy looks like a Olympic track guy out there running. It's so like Nicholas uh, Harbor. I know. So, uh, you know, yeah, I think that'll be the question. And, well, a lot of times I feel like you can tell if you really, if you're like a number watcher, as in like, all right, that jersey number's in right now, pay attention to the rotation as the game goes along. And, I thought it was interesting last year, not to get all into the linebackers, but I remember Clayton White being like, man, we really want to be able to rotate our linebackers in. We really want to be able to rotate our linebackers in and keep them fresh. Because um, South Carolina the year before had not done that. And then they had a couple of injuries at linebacker. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching. And I'm like, okay, defensive front just rotated. Oh, they just got another safety on the field. All oh, those two linebackers are still out there. Yeah. And then I'm watching yeah. the next time. I'm like, okay. They got those guys back in. Oh, nope, same two linebackers. And if you go back and look at the snap counts, sure enough, and, you know, it, it changed a little bit as the year goes on. Maybe a guy gets more and more comfortable. You see the snap count go up a little bit, a little bit. But you can tell from that rotation who's on the field because coach is like, all right, 
I feel comfortable. I just want to keep rotating these guys in. They've all earned it. And who is only going to be going in because they have to? <laughs> By default. Somebody <laughs> has to go in because the other person's tired. Yeah. Very shortly. But really quickly, Wes, did you just call us a bad name by calling me a jersey watcher just now? Was that? No, I, was a it, number were you, watcher. Were you, were you calling me a number watcher? Were you? No, I I, I am a number watcher. Okay, I was like just I, making sure because that's, that's the crew that I'm in. No, I I will pay. And I will, the people sitting around me at the game, probably like, we don't care because I'll be like, hey, Mario Brown's in at the slot now. Because I, I like <laughs> to pay attention to, all right, who's getting rotated in? or not, And I like to think through. Okay, they put that receiver in. Are they trying to do something different with him? Oh, Juju's in the slot. This is probably going to be a jet yeah, no, no, sweep. But, that, but, but Wes, that's not a number watcher. A number Preston's going to come in immediately. As you said, I said twenty-five Juju, seven Amari and Brown. So I am a, I am <laughs> close to Rain Man when it comes to these numbers. Like I, I okay. got to. Preston's going to come in Monday and he's going to be like, man, that number seven on offense. He's really good at throwing the football. I don't know who that is. Number seven. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it was not a slight. Okay, I'm, all right, just check it. Yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> all right, you don't have to do the move to me that you were. No club or roof. Yeah, <laughs> teaching Pearson earlier. Um, uh, you, you uh, where were we? Defensive ends. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> we, we talked about the kid from NC State. What's his name again? Terrell Dawkins. Terrell Dawkins, <laughs> number eight. He was wearing number eight in the spring. I remember that. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> But, Chris, you had somebody that I, had, that I hadn't heard of, and I was interested in hearing from you. Yeah, Gilbert Edmond. Um, what number? He is number eight. Ooh, double numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gilbert, you know, he's a guy that kind of trying to figure this out, like, preseason. And admittedly, I haven't heard as much now that <laughs> first game is approaching, but they were really happy with him in the spring and the summer, the coaching staff was, and – very interesting kid because former high school wide receiver um he had i think his senior year of high school he's like a late bloomer i think he had like 17 18 sacks as a senior had a huge year originally committed to south florida and south carolina's previous staff flipped him on signing day like it was very quick you know kind of thing and now this is a guy that's come in with a lot of raw athleticism still learning now he's 6'5", 250. So it's been a noticeable difference when you saw him like this preseason on the field versus what he was when he's a freshman, kind of a taller, lankier kid. Now he's up to 6'5", 250. And he's got, if you watch him, he's got like some natural like bend and athleticism mm -hmm. and I think some potential, you know, pass rushing pop. So Sterling Lucas, who's obviously worked with a lot of really good players in the NFL, um, they seem to like him. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean... You know, game one, don't tweet at me if he doesn't have 10 sacks in the first game, <laughs> right? But they feel like he's got a good bit of upside. So when we're kind of looking at that whole picture of, okay, pass rush, third downs, or even just who can pick up, you know, 15, 20 snaps a game, Gilbert Edmond should maybe be included in that conversation. Yeah. So as we've done these, you know, kind of depth chart previews or whatever you want to call them, I've mostly been thinking about them with September 3rd in mind. But let me flip it for the sake of defensive ends. Jordan Burtz, Jordan Strawn, let's say, assuming everybody stays healthy, obviously, those two are the are the entrenched starters for the entire year. Gilbert Rebin may be somebody, Chris, in your estimation, by the end of the year that will solidly be in the two deep, or is he still somebody a little farther down the road for Carolina, further down the road? Ooh. You know, I, I don't know if I'd go there yet. Okay. I mean, he, he could be solidly like a third down guy okay. at that point. I think a lot of it hinges on how does he play the run because a guy that Wes mentioned earlier, Tyreek Johnson, 
I feel like is really technically sound and has a chance to be possibly a better player against the run. Edmund, you know, that's probably more of a question mark for him right now. So, okay. So, Tyree Johnson and Terrell Dawkins? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's some guys you look at and you're like, it's inevitable that that person will be starting by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't really see that. Or, okay. or even, you know, will play a key role. I don't know if I can go there yet, but I do know that they're pretty excited about him going into this season. Technical question, um, and I don't know if you've noticed this or if you haven't seen this, but last year with the edge coach, who was the edge coach last year? Uh, Mike P. Mike, Mike P. Yeah, yeah, Mike P. I'm sorry. With Mike P., I noticed that they lined up in two-point stance. Have you noticed any change in that with uh, Sterling Lucas coaching those guys this year? I, I have not. Um, maybe something to watch uh, game one. What, I guess, what would be, what, was that something that you noticed as in this might be an issue or this is different than most teams on the edge or it's just kind of a it was just, from coach to coach? It's, it's just can, a thing. Yeah. I, I don't know whether that was maybe for the player's comfortability or uh, – whether that was his personal preference or whether it was because they were edge guys and not defensive ends, I don't know what that was about. But I just that's something that I noticed, and I wonder if that would be different this year. It, you know what? It feels like when um, when I first watched some of um, Western Kentucky, right, is where Clayton White came from. When I first just put on some of their games from the previous season, they were in two point stance a lot, and it might be um, his thing also. It, it might kind of be something he prefers I, I don't know the reasons why but um you know you notice they they do specifically call those guys edge guys like they sort of have gotten away from defensive end and I, I don't know I mean it's just a name but at the same time is there a reason for that as you well change you know? the name for for no reason like if you're right. gonna, if you're yeah. gonna go to the trouble of making everybody relearn the name of that position there's probably going to be some difference it, it doesn't that I'm imagining that has to make it significantly harder to get leverage in the run game defensively, right? It's a little bit. It's a different technique for sure. Um, it's something that somebody would easily point to and say, oh, that's why they're not stopping. An old person like myself would say, <laughs> well, they're not stopping the run because they're not in three-point stance. But mm-hmm. that's not necessarily true. Okay. However, that's, that is a very easy target. Okay. I'll try not to make the easy target. Yeah, don't make that. Don't, make, don't automatically make that. Don't be that guy. Yeah, don't yeah. be that guy. Yeah. Um, but it is something to look for. Okay. Uh, one more quick thing here. Uh, I do want to talk a, a quick little bit of recruiting before we get out of here. But Brock, I think, has the answer here in the text line. says, I think in order to succeed this year, Carolina has to throw more tight end passes with Jordan Birch. Wait, 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 Obviously. wait, wait. Tight end passes? Mm-hmm. We're obviously not saying that Jordan Birch needs to throw more passes because that. No, no, no. I think that was a suggestion, but I think it was, oh, okay, was tongue in cheek. Okay. I just I just had a little flashback of Jordan going to top running back sweep pass. Yeah, Preston just fell out of his chair. When he's <laughs> Very close. To. Oh yeah, Brock. I, I don't know if that one's going to be back in the playbook this year, but who knows? Who knows? Do you wait? Y'all don't remember that? Oh, I feel yeah. like oh, oh, yeah. y'all just collectively tried to amnesia that out of your brain. No, we no, we we, okay. saw, we saw. Okay, right. we saw. Just yeah, just checking. Yeah, that was a drive killer. <laughs> yeah, man, was it from the two yard line, one yard line? It's like right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, 803-404-6100. They probably still weren't going to win that game. But in any case, uh, love Chevy phone line, text line, however you guys want to be a part of the show. Any final thoughts that you have, would love to hear from you. Get all of us on Twitter as well, at Pearson Fowler, at Coach P Tweets, at West Mitchell GC, at GC Chris Clark. Shane Beamer had a, I don't know, a, a delightfully transparent appeal to any potential recruits yesterday during his uh, media availability. Want to let you hear that and get Wes and Chris's thoughts on a new crystal ball prediction.
for a South Carolina prospect. The Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.51 Wednesday morning. Wrapping things up here on the Gamecock Central Hour on 107.5 The Game. Pearson Fowler, Hall of Famer, Preston Thorne, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, here with you uh, guys I have to admit I apologize I dropped the ball a little bit here I thought I had this sound ready to go over here on the second computer I uh, I did not have it ready to go unbelievable I know I know it's all right I'm doing what I can here but Shane Beamer yesterday with a very uh, transparent appeal to anyone that wants to come see a high level SEC college football game pointing out that Tennessee and Clemson and a lot of these other schools with which South Carolina has ongoing recruiting battles. Georgia are not at home week one. North Carolina, if you want to come see a football game, South Carolina is going to have the LED lights and and all that kind of stuff. You know, these things are funny. Obviously, that's totally allowed. Normally, I feel like coaches don't do that. I don't know why. That's a a good move. It's it's funny. It, like, catches a headline. It gets your attention. It's just interesting to me. It's a smart pitch, and a lot of times – logistics play into whether you're going to visit a school on a particular weekend or not. Um, If you have a long trip and maybe South Carolina has a noon game like they do for Georgia, like, you know, they're going to have recruits for that game, but there's maybe not the the farther you get from Columbia, the, the fewer guys from those areas you're going to have at, at a noon game, I think. So season opener night game, Georgia state, a game South Carolina should win. There should be a great atmosphere because of everything you just talked about. It, it makes sense to make that appeal. And I, I had no idea. It didn't even hit me that all these other schools are off. And a lot of times, if you're battling, there's a little battle within a battle of getting that player to your campus for a game as opposed to, you know, may, maybe Georgia has their biggest home game of the year. And uh, you are pro- you may, maybe aren't going to win that battle. So I, I think that's kind of interesting that he, he brought that up. Good move. You see a lot of times, like in the summer, there's always this funny, it doesn't really get publicized, but, you know, most schools have big kind of summer camp events, like a cookout or, a, you know, what at Florida they called it Friday Night Lights, and Clemson has a cookout, and you know, everybody's got some version of like a cookout, you know, quote-unquote type of thing, a big recruiting event where you bring in seniors, juniors, all that kind of stuff during the summer, and all the recruiting staffers and college football coaches from other countries are always trying to figure out, hey, when when is so such and such school doing that? Because it's just like Wes said, there's there is a competition. Like you want to get guys in. And now with scheduling for football games, that's out of your control. Mm-hmm. Shane Beamer can't call up the A D and say, I really need you to move this game. <laughs> like we need you know, you can't do that. But it is potentially an advantage for South Carolina, especially with game one where you've got you know, a good amount of uh, buzz, you know, behind it to be able to get some guys in. Yeah. Um, a one quick recruiting note here. Uh, I know this name has come up before because Wes has asked Chris to do the pronunciation. And uh, this is, I just saw Bill Gunner tweeting about this this morning because he's more of a recruiting than I am. But Desmond Umeozulu, is that how you say it? Umeozulu? Yeah, Umeozulu. Um, did, um, did Bill say it? Umeozulu. No, he didn't say he tweeted it. Which is the same. We should get him to say it. He would have just said Desu, which is what I'm going for. Yeah, Desu. There were some experts that have started to predict him to go uh, South Carolina's direction. I don't know where exactly this recruitment is right now. Is this this a pending announcement? Yeah, he's announcing on the 29th. So that's, I guess, early next week. Tuesday? 
Yeah. There's some South Carolina buzz right here for real. I mean, it's been Ohio State was kind of the perceived favorite for a while. He took an official to South Carolina in June. It went well, but it was one of those where, you know, he wasn't one that, like a lot of times an official visit goes well, and then we'll kind of hear, you know, hey, South Carolina's going to get that guy. Or, you know, if you don't really hear much, it's like, well, it went well, but there's nothing It went well because he ate a bunch of free steak and, yeah. you know, got to use the recording studio. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think with this one, it went well, but there wasn't a ton of just follow-up buzz. And then <laughs> recently, the last, I don't know, two or three weeks, there's been a lot more South Carolina chatter. And they've they've really been working hard to push for, you know, on this final stretch of his recruitment because they want somebody to team up with Montague Rames to kind of mm-hmm. be their other uh, bookend edge defensive end guy in this class yeah this would be another four-star defensive lineman just looking at the you know sort of the composites the uh the on three consensus this is a guy that would be near the top of the class in terms of rating and of note would be another dmv guy which i mean we've already pointed out that that's starting to stack up but you know carolina's gonna have like it, we talk about the blue chip ratio they're gonna have the dmv ratio they're gonna have half of their roster from the dmv area that's that's not insignificant this is becoming more than a just a footprint. And now, I, I generally don't put a ton of stock into this, but there could be something to be said about all those guys turning their attention to Nick Harbor, who would be like the cherry on top addition from that area for South Carolina. I mean, the cherry on top, but also like the frosty bowl that's like like the low-key MVP of a Sunday because otherwise the bottom of it's going to melt, but you get a cold bowl. Yeah. Shane Maber's doing work. So Making this is the 29th. Hungry. So Carolina could have a round 20 commits with another four-star defensive line commit before the season even starts. At this point, like if you had to log a prediction, is it South Carolina or is South Carolina just closer than they were? No, if I, if I was predicting today, I'd I'd probably lean South Carolina. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I think I agree. The one thing is there was a lot of, you know, Ohio State stuff and <laughs> Wes, I'm not going to use the term he used the other day on our podcast. Um, was it you kerfuffle? Know, no, it was not. But, you know, a lot of stuff came out and it's kind of hard to get a handle. But I, I, I do think there's kind of a Ohio State at one time was probably the leader. And I think that's really diminished. It's just a lot more murky. And South Carolina's really picked up a lot of buzz, a lot of momentum. And I wasn't totally right off Ohio State at this point, especially there's still some time to go. Still five the Ohio days. State. The trademark. Yes. Yeah. But very good. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. That'll be coming early next week. That is all we have time for today. Appreciate you all, appreciate you all listening and being a part of the show as always. For West, for Chris and Preston, I'm Pearson in the halftime show with Jay Terry and Tommy's coming up next. The Talkville Podcast gives you a weekly dose of nostalgia as Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum revisit Smallville. The early episodes have so many stories, they were shooting them out of order, and people were getting fired left and right. Five directors worked on Metamorphosis Episode 2. They kept shooting and reshooting sequences to get it right. Tom's haircuts are all over the place. I didn't remember any of that. Sounds like we were quite the conundrum there. Join Clark Kent and Lex Luthor on the Talkville Podcast every week wherever you get your podcasts.